Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shake needs to be in perfect the premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West Coast Eagles. G'day everyone. Welcome to the Big Footy Eagles podcast and uh, gents, Honey Badger 35 here. We've got Miguel Sanchez. We've got Keys. He's uh, looking a little bit tired and a little bit worn out there, sitting on top of the witch's hat by the look. Uh, we'll get into the Swans game soon enough, but guys, it's been a tough week for the West Coast Eagles and for everybody watching along, we'd love for you to jump in the comments, have your say. I don't care how many four-letter words we get out of the way this week because uh, basically it was an abject failure on Good Friday, on Friday night. We need to discuss it. We need to tackle where the Eagles are at. So uh, we might as well jump into that straight away. And if you if you do want to follow along with us live and jump in the comments, have your say. Tell us where the club's going wrong. Tell us where we're going wrong. Let's let's uh, get it all out in the open and hash it out. Miguel Sanchez, I will start with you. The score was nine goals for 58 to 18 goals, 13, 121. At one point in the game, the Swans were up 56 to nothing, so we did sort of outscore them in a way. We got to 58, but of course the game was long done at that point. It was done at quarter time in truth. And for some reason, we all convinced ourselves that the Eagles were a chance. They were not a chance in this game at all. No. No, and I don't know if we'd even been inside 50, had we, by the time they had 56 points on the board. It took a yeah. long time to get that first inside 50. I think we had something like 10 for the first half. Um, two goals for the first half. The first one of them was a joke, and Liam Ryan was even laughing when he got paid the free kick. Um, yeah. yeah, it was just terrible. We've we've really got to stop having those Good Friday night games, I think, because we've had two of them now at Optus, and they've both just been probably the two most unwatchable games I've ever been to. Um, yeah, just what can you say about that uh, that game? Really, we just Simpson said it is um, in his press conference. We got beaten on the inside and then we got outworked on the outside. I looked up the um, looked up the Telstra tracker trademark at, at half time and it was really ugly reading. And I probably should have kept it so I um, could make better I points. I think we can picture point. it. But it was, yeah, something like you know, Sydney, had, even at half time, had run a collective 10Ks more than us and had you know, nearly twice as many sprint efforts or something. So it was just, you could see it at the ground. There was just no one working. Um, no. We reverted back to the old game style and we sort of had to because no one was sort of working to offer an option. Um, and we can talk about selection and I'm sure we will talk about selection, but you bet. even the guys that, even the guys that you know, came in off, um, off the Collingwood game, off the high of that game, no one was working. Um, yeah, we weren't winning the, winning the ball in the middle and um, just got smashed both ends of the ground. The defence was under siege. The forwards were catching colds because there was nothing coming to them. And, yeah, it was just uh, um, nothing really to, to take out of that except um, I don't even know if there's any lessons we can learn out of it. Uh, I'd hope there are because, Jesus, if you can't progress... Well, actually, then... yeah, sorry, hang on. Well, the one lesson I think we should learn is don't bloody rush five blokes back all at the same time because we've done it two years in a row now. Um, I said the week before um, in the lead-up to it, you know, this has got all the shades of that um, Bulldogs game last year where we had a big um, you know, inspirational win over Richmond with young blokes playing well. And then the following week, we bring back five underdone players, drop all the young kids that have played well, and we get pantsed. Um, and we didn't, yeah. We didn't lose. We didn't learn our lesson from that, and you know, the exact same thing happened again. Case, you're uh, particularly animated today, mate. The Eagles' midfield is just absolutely <laughs> dead. It's lifeless. It's sitting there. Look, let's go through the positives from the game. Tom Barras played really well. All right, Case. Now we'll talk about the rest of the game. Uh, 
where do you want to start with that? It was effort. You can talk about selection all you like as well, but you know the effort was just not there. Migs pointed out how many times did a guy have the ball and there's a big pack forming down the wing and they've all got their hand up saying, "Come on, mate, just send it long." We're predictable. We're stale. All of the fears that people have had about Adam Simpson over the last couple of years, it's taken some people a little while to get on board with that. Some people still aren't all the way on board with that. But, I mean, Friday night, Keys, that was basically a case study in what people who are critical of Adam Simpson's game style have been preaching. So I guess you've got to throw your hands up and just go, yep, that's they were spot on. on certainly in this instance, they were. Yeah, for, for people like me, I've sort of spent a fair bit of time defending Simpson and me as well. everything like Absolutely. that. Um, the ones who all the supporters that aren't happy with him and have been preaching about credits in the bank and that sort of stuff for the last year or two got proven absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, complete. There's it's just a complete mindset issue that you can't. The guy's got the ability. Um, but they, they they look like they pick and choose when to put in. And, it, mm. you know, I, I heard, oh, I think it might have been either Shuey or Kennedy, someone talked about, oh, no, it was on a little two-minute puff piece today that popped up on Eagle's website from the track. And oh, they, yeah. there was a, a thing about, you know, rewarding form. I was like, well, no, you haven't rewarded form because <laughs> two of the guys that played really good games against uh, Collingwood lost their spot to blokes that were 75% fit. Um, and by the way, Keith, you know, Sue acknowledged as much, said in the post game, oh, we're undone. Because they played in a good game in the grand final three and a half years ago. So, um, you know, look, Connor West and Luke Edwards were both injured. Um, so you had to sort of bring a couple of them back. But, I mean, we sort of touched on it last week. Cripps hadn't played the game of footy this mm. season. Yeah. No. Last game of footy he played was round 23 or whatever last year. So, yep. you know, there was a question mark about whether he might have been ready. Um, you know, we did talk about, you know, bringing all three of Shuey, Yo, and Kelly back was a risk. Well, it blew up in their face, and as Mig said, I mean, it was it was deja vu all over again from from last year. Exactly the same thing happened. We had a great win. Young guys stood up, and then so, you know, a couple of big names come back, and they're they're straight back in. When you know they're talking about synergy and things like that, you. They didn't need to make six changes. We could have got away with four. Mm. Um, so, and now, now we've dug a hole for ourselves because it's like, well, do we drop one of those big guys, one of those names, and so we'll go back and find your form in a waffle, or do you just plough on and just hope they turn it around and and come good with a bit of match practice under the under their belts? I mean, it's just digging holes, and it's. It pisses people off, and it's just why. I mean, I spent on Friday night. I spent an hour and a half in a fish and chip shop waiting for dinner, and that was better <laughs> than watching the game. Huh. Uh, we've got a comment here from Phil uh, Phillips saying Eagles were gifted the chance to blood young players, and instead they brought back underdone senior players. Young players bring an energy that senior players can't. We can talk about the selection, and Keys, you've just touched on it there. I mean, some of the changes made themselves. You know, Harry Edwards comes in because McGovern can't play. I get that. That's fine. Volume of changes, you can't do anything about when they're forced. We know we know everything about that because we've seen this club make 12, 13, 14 changes in a week that were all enforced. Kelly coming back, okay. Shuey coming back, okay. Yo coming back, he played some waffle. Shuey's played some AFL this year, so has Kelly. I understand the argument individually for all of them. The Crips one, you can never explain to me. I don't get it. And Xavier O'Neill... I am not yet convinced Xavier O'Neill is an AFL caliber player, certainly not an AFL caliber midfielder. I don't know that we've got an asset on our hands then, but this is the season to find out. Why are we wasting our time playing him as a last ditch? Because apparently Aaron Black was busy that weekend, I guess. And then he plays well. What's the point of him being on the list? Is basically what I'm asking. Because whilst I still don't think 
His game against uh, Collingwood was good. It was definitely his best game. I don't know if it was great. I think people are overselling it a little bit, but it's absolutely worthy of selection the next week. And honestly, Migs, why is he on our list if he can put in a performance like that, not get played? And by the way, the Eagles midfield still has Sheed and Gaff to come back in. So yeah. we signed him to an extension. We kept him on so he could be our eighth choice. Why? What's What benefit? What did we want to see out of him that wasn't worth picking the next week? I just don't get it. You know, I understand individually some of the changes. The Crips one and not finding a spot for O'Neill, I will never understand. Um, Migs, yeah, we can... Particularly when... Oh, yeah, you go. Particularly when you, you're bringing in um, Shuey, who said he was on managed minutes. You're bringing in Yo, who was on managed minutes the previous week in the waffle, and whether it was because of that or because of the, um, the knock he got, and he had to go off and do a concussion test, but he spent half the game at half back uh, and Duggan had to go into the midfield. You know, you don't need to bring in both of those guys and drop O'Neill. And the other thing about O'Neill is, you know, you're talking about whether we've got an asset there and, you know, he needs to be given a chance to show it. Hmm. Um, how's he going to do that if he's in the team one week and he's back in the waffle the next week? All the stuff about Well, sure, he said it today. Continuity. He played, yeah. played really well in the waffle. So, you know, that's all we can expect yeah. it to do. Well, no, all he could have been expected yeah. to do was 24-odd touches as the leading line of a midfield that was decimated. And yeah. I would rather play well, he... Yo Kelly Shuey than the midfield we named the previous week on paper. Everybody agrees yeah. on paper, but like what more do they want from Exxon to pick him? Keeping in mind that I'm not even that much of an Exxon fan. It's just, but it's still, it, it just isn't right really. Yeah. I didn't understand that at all. Um, I was pretty bloody furious when that came out and um, yeah, the Crips one as well. Why are you bringing in Crips who, you know, we know from past experience he needs a few weeks of a run at it. Um, okay, he had a pec injury, so he would have been able to keep his running up, but he's not match-hardened. He had, wouldn't no. have played any footy um, no. since the training session in January or whenever it was that he did his pec. So, yeah, I I just don't understand it, and it's it's indefensible, really. And, yeah, for you know, probably the three of us have been three that have been um, have been sort of... Holding up the holding up the damn wall in supporting Simpson. It's mm. and it doesn't all. I mean, there's a match committee. It's not all him, but the buck has to stop with him. And yeah, some of those selections were indefensible. And it's not gonna. It's not as if you know, playing O'Neill over Shuey and playing you know, Jake Waterman over Cripps or something is going to get us the win against Sydney the other night. But it would at least be respectable. You think we wouldn't have had that you know, ten and a half goal loss and uh, absolutely abysmal first half and even if it does you look back at it on the Saturday or you look back on it now and you go well that's another game for O'Neill and that's the game we're playing at the moment because we know where the Eagles are at that's the game we're playing is that all right let's say guys don't settle in and get good until the 20 the 30 game mark of their career well we've got to keep finding out because if we're wasting this year not finding out then what's the point um Keys I'll throw this question to you here we've got a question from one of the many Pauls that jumps on and comments on the show so good out to Paul how likely do you think that the team sheet is being based on Simo being told by Nisbet and others, basically, that we're a club that doesn't bottom out? So do you think Simo's under pressure from above to put the most experienced team on the park to keep our senior citizen supporter base happy? I would argue that that made nobody happy on the weekend. Um, no. But, Keys, do you think they are reluctant to embrace almost a bottom out or any sort of visible rebuild? It's not something Eagles fans have had to deal with typically. So do you think that's playing a part? Uh, maybe, but but Simo Simpson's got form with those mm. type of selections. You know, yeah. I think you know. I don't reckon you know when we're eight and four or eight and five or whatever it is after we beat Richmond last year. I don't reckon Simpson's saying uh, Disbet's telling Simpson like pick these guys because we don't bother them out. Um, there's been plenty. There's been. Numerous opportunities the last two or three seasons where Simpson could have, you know, made someone a scapegoat and picked picked a senior player and said, right, you're the one that we're going to use you to send a message. Like, you know, Darling's form's been mixed for for a long, you know, for a, for a long lot. Cripps has had poor games. We've mm. had senior players who have been playing poorly and they just haven't, you know, the guys. You know, we've got a we've got a bunch of young tampons that are in 
you know, they're in, they're in for a week and then out for three. Um, Come on now, case. <laughs> you know, so I, I there's a possibility that there's pressure from above, but I no, I, I think this is this this is on. I mean, like I said, I'm a, I'm a Simpson fan. I'm defending him for a long mm. time, but this is on him. Mm. Yeah, he, and by the he way, stood up, he stood up before and said, you know, we learnt. He said earlier this season that they made the mistake about bringing guys in underdone last year, and then they've mm. just turned around and done it again. Exactly the same mistake, and now they're, they're saying, "Oh, we're trying to get synergy and this, that, and the other." I was like, "Fuck, don't just you know, people are sick of the bullshit." I mean, we've got to, we've got to make a decision on the coach because we've got three premiership coaches. They all won a premiership in their fifth year as coach. Malthouse won in 94. Westfold won one in 2006. Simpson won in 2018. That was their fifth year as a senior coach. Westfold and Malthouse didn't get close again after those that fifth year. And mm. it was you know, kind of like a... had a bit of a dead cat bounce in 11 and 12. Yeah. But other than that, once they won the flag, it was just kind of this, and it's the same now. It's this sort of slow, steady decline and an over reliance um, on your sort of fading stars, and and a lack of ability to acknowledge that those guys may be past their best, and we need to bring young guys through. I mean, Malthouse did it, and then Judge Paul can judge, you know, for all his flaws. He copped the shit because he he had the one he was the one that had to pick up the mess yeah. of, the, of a list that Malthouse left behind, um, and Simpson sort of did a bit with with um, with Westfold. The the difference was that we had that drug induced downfall in two oh eight oh nine and ten that we got the likes of Shuey and Shepherd and Nat Nui, Gaff Darling Gaff Darling. McGovern, there's, a, there's probably a couple of others there I've missed that we picked up through those drafts. That mm. you know, a lot of those guys were at the core, and we also had, you know, we had a long, young, you know, Lacrae and Hearn were both really young when we won in '06, but they came Kennedy through. Kennedy came in. Yeah, yeah, JK came in in uh, '07. Chris Maston for all his haters, he came in in '07. Um, so Simpson had a little bit of a a little bit there to work with. Um, but now, this is a challenge for him. A lot of coaches, once the side, once the list declines, it's really, really hard to um, to build it back and challenge again. And there's fuck all coaches that have done it. Um, I mean, hey, Alistair Clarkson Absolutely. couldn't do it. Mm. He got the flick for, for Mitchell because they weren't, they were thought Mitchell would be better bringing the new list through than Clarkson. Longmire's in the process, he might be able to do it at Sydney. He's sort of, um, you know, the old folks hope at Geelong, the old folks home at Geelong, they sort of managed to to stay up for a while. But you go through most other premiership coaches and they haven't been able to do it. They haven't seen a side win a flag and then get them back again with a different list. Cheeky. Yeah, he's did it over long. 25, 26 years. But... So, you know, Simpson's up against history now, um, and yeah, it's, it's showing the guys. They look stale. They look disinterested. He's got to try and find that spark to get it because he's been talking. He talked a big game over the off season, mm. and for all the for all the positive steps and every the credit we got because oh, we've had injuries and we had COVID and all that sort of shit. All of that got wiped out on the weekend because the players put in that completely fucking piss poor effort. That I mean, I was watching the score, and no shit, coming up after half time, it looked like an under twelve score line. Mm. That's what it looked like. What was it, what five minutes before the half time when we had scored? You know, the team had eight or nine goals. That's mm. what you get when you play under twelves and you get complete mismatches. And so I've had, never left. Oh, you go, guys. We had only marginally more best 22 players missing than what Sydney did. Um, the difference being is 
most of the best 22 we had there couldn't give a fuck. I've never left a game before. I don't believe that I've ever turned the television off before if I've been sitting down to watch a live game. But, you know, I've definitely ne- I've never left a game and I'm, I'm pretty confident that I never will. And I don't know what goal it was. I said this on the board, but at some point in the second quarter, Sydney kicked a goal. I don't even remember what it was. I think it was a bit of a arsey goal, but, you know, who cares? They were all coming. And I had this urge, like the most real urge I've ever had to just get up and leave. And we've all said it now a few times, and I think I'm, especially on the big footy board, one of the most vocal supporters of Simo. But I've never had that urge before, and I've watched Ken Judge, you know. I've watched 2010, whatever, all that sort of stuff with Woosher and the decline from that team. I've seen some average football, not as much as everybody else. Like, I am always very keen to point out that Eagles fans are very blessed. But throughout the years, you see some shit. I've never left, and I've never had a moment just capped off by a goal where I thought, no, I'm going, I'm leaving here. And when that goal went through, the bloke next to me stood up, and I actually felt really jealous for him. I thought, I fucking wish I could do that. And then he came back with beer. Moron. He was gone. He was free. Uh, we've got some comments came through, Keys, whilst you were uh, having a chat there, which we love. Phil as well loves a good Keys rant. Uh, John wants to know why we don't have a dedicated Perth-based list manager, you know, with the footy ops over East as well. Uh, Peter says, evening, lads. A week is a long time in football. Now, that cuts two ways, Mix, because we had a big win against Collingwood. Yeah. We're coming up against Port later on in the week, so maybe, you know, we'll uh, bounce back a bit and show something, whatever it might be. But the lessons from a fan perspective from this game or the feeling from this game, I suspect, are not going to be forgotten, even if a, a good week does occur. Uh, Phil here saying 2010 was different because you could see the young players coming through. And this, for me, is, I guess, the sticking point for all of this. At the end of last season, Migs, I thought Simo was on the hot seat. And again, I'll continue to say it. I wasn't going to be the one to pull the trigger if it was solely up to me, but I could see that he was because the pressure was starting to ramp up. The fan swell was start, you know, the, the fan base sort of swell was was happening, but media was starting to cotton on to it as well, and there was legitimate pressure on him, rightfully so. Once all this COVID stuff happened, once the off-season injuries all piled up, he almost had a free swing at it. The I saw a list where he was, I think, third on some hot seat ranking, you know, the other day, a few weeks ago, and I thought, well, that's farcical because he's been playing accountants and brickies in the midfield for half of his season so whatever no pressure on him with all that he had the perfect inbuilt excuse he could have blooded guys he could have thrown these guys a little bit more game time try someone in midfield instead of hiding on the half forward flank things like that and yet again he's gone back to that same well so at this point even for guys like us that are sort of in his corner you have to say like shit the pressure is real it is ramping up and i'm now getting to the point where i don't think they'll sack him mid-season but could I see this being his last year based on a few more of those Sydney games? Based on we saw it against Geelong last year. We saw it against Sydney last year. We've got the capability to just switch off. And the fans are getting sick of it. And I think, you know, the media are starting to wake up to it as well. I think that's the worst thing is over, the last, over during the course of last season then, and then the game on Friday reinforced it is... We've now got a tendency, when we lose, we lose big. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not, you know, and I, and I think, I reckon we were lucky that at halftime, I reckon Sydney just kind of went, oh, they put they put the cue on the rack in the, in the second, certainly through parts of that third quarter, and then we got, you know, we were get three or four in a, in a row, and then they put the foot down again and just, you know, it was like a, it's like a big brother fighting with a little kid and just putting his hand on his head and saying, "Yeah, you can have a couple of swings, but you're not getting close." And as soon as you got one a little bit close, it's like, mm. "Bam, you're back on your ass again." Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've there's there's some issues. Oh, I was going to save this for villain of the week because I was going to call the club out as being villain of the week, but now's as good time as any. Let's hear it. Um, we, the COVID has really hurt. Not because, and it's not an excuse. It's a we've not handled COVID as a club very well. Um, there's a lot of things over the last two or three years that each one in isolation is not that big. But when you look at it in a whole, you look at Darren Glass leaving as list manager. Well, then we we put. Our recruiting manager in as 
I temporarily list manager and then promoted him to full-time list manager. So now we've got the same person doing list and recruiting. Mm. Um, Craig Vozzo, you know, stepped away from the club, then he's come back in a different role. We've got... The, well, Vozzo, Vozzo was part of it as well. The ongoing okay, jumper but... fiasco where we've got Castori as a jumper sponsor and I, I could do a better job than those fucking clowns. Well, they don't Patrick give us a jumpers. Got a jumper. Harry Edwards nah. went out, ran out for a game in the wrong fucking jumper. Um, Campbell Chesser got given a jumper that would look big on me, and I'm a fat fuck. Um, <laughs> you're looking pretty you're skinny. Looking to, yeah, you look slim um, as today, Keys. I don't know what you're talking about. We we got, you know, Chance Bateman, Bateman was our Indigenous liaison officer. He he lost. Yeah, he lost his position when COVID came through, which we should have kept. I don't know what happened with Jenna, but something went down there. Um, uh, Fuck, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, the, you know, the the listed play, like the academy kids, Erasmus. Mm. Yeah. No one followed up on the email. I mean, it wouldn't have made any difference anyway because he ended up going top 10. But um, we also had – there was a kid, Arthur Jones, that plays for Swans or Clem- Bulldogs ended up picking him. We we didn't follow through to make sure whether or not he wanted to sign up as an academy kid. You know, there's just lots of little things that you, you go, fuck, what's going on? We've got – you know, Miggs and I – Bigs especially been bedroom. What the fuck's happening with Rep Bazo? He, he hasn't been playing footy. He hasn't been on the injured list. You know we've got a hundred thousand members, and they don't give a fuck. They don't. They mm. don't tell us. They don't engage. We're the biggest club, and we've got probably the worst fan engagement. Out like the Povo clubs, like North and Port, have got bloody better fan engagement than what we have. Yeah, but it's because um, they need it. We, they don't yeah. need that's us. Not, that's, that's the not difference. Football. That's got nothing to do with football caps. We, we've got, we made $6 million profit last year, mm. for fuck's sake. Use the money. Do something. You know, just, I know there's a football department cap and we're, we're hamstrung by that. We can't do, but there's plenty. You know, and then we've got, I haven't even touched on our strength and conditioning guys. I mean, Alan's got a setback. What the fuck are those guys doing? You know, we've got, the longest injury list in the AFL, and this is not, I mean, injuries, there's an element of bad luck, but at some point you've got to turn around and go, what are the guys doing? There's other clubs, seven other clubs, and they've not got the injuries we've got. Mm. Um, and and you just look at, the other thing I was noticing, I noticed again in the Collingwood game, and you look at some of our blokes, guys like, I don't really want to pick on him because he gets picked on a lot. But someone like Jackson Nelson, um, he's got puppy fat still. You know, he's, he's, armed, he's no muscle. Def- you look at, I mean, I don't like the guy's a shithead, but Bailey Smith, he's ripped. Mm. Tom Liberatore, you look at when he, Tom Liberatore looks like he's carved out of fucking stone. We've got, none of our blokes look like that. And it's, you know, you look at a guy's pictures at training and stuff like that, you, you, you go back and, I mean, you know, Benny Cousins used to like his drugs, but Jesus Christ, he was fucking ripped. How many, <laughs> how many guys, he was ripped on and off the field. Um, but we've got no guys, we've got no guys you look at and just go, shit, they look hard. I wouldn't want to run into them on the footy field. They they clean up. I mean, I remember, I can't remember what was season's. 16, 17, somewhere like that. Tommy Barras came out pre-season and had a massive set of guns on him and things like that. Simpsons in a press conference said, oh, yeah, we're not here for the guns. We're here. You know, it's like, well, what are their guys doing? They're, they're, Redden's 30 years old and he looks like an 18-year-old boy still. Um, yeah, fuck. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> but otherwise, it's all going quite well. Um, Keely in the comments is saying that uh, as a Queensland-based Eagles supporter... Even compared to the Lions, who are going quite well at the moment, the Eagles seem to do 100% more fan engagement. Um, so it doesn't really agree with the fan engagement comment. And that's fair. I suppose I can't really speak to an interstate fan perspective and how that looks on game days in particular and things like that. Um, John is sort of echoing the stuff, I think more the stuff that we're 
thinking of here, Migs, which is, you know, the, the website doesn't get updated. The player lists yeah. don't get updated. Well, they go months without telling us where Bazo is, where Partington is, where Burroughs. Like, you know, it's that sort yeah. of stuff that Look maybe at- it's nitpicky, but it reflects a club that doesn't really need to keep everyone in line because they know there's a queue. Yeah, there's no, I mean, Zane Sumich is our waffle captain. That mm. was announced in the West. Like By a photo before. in the West. It was announced, yeah, week before the club actually got it around to announcing it. And then you go on the waffle waffle teams page on the club website and he's still not on there. There's mm. about 16 blokes there from last year's squad, 12 of which have left. Mm. Um, and you know, the entire new squad's not there. There was apparently... There was a little bit of a clip before the game on Friday played at the ground of the um, the Waffle players being given their jerseys, uh, Guernseys, sorry, for, I've been watching too much NBA, um, being given their Guernseys for the year. No, nice jumper presentation, the same as the, um, same as the AFL team got. Yep. Um, great little moment. Haven't actually seen it anywhere else. It's not on the website. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, the Rep Bazo stuff you said just yeah, pissed me off. Eventually they said, oh, he's... Um, He's playing, he's playing this week. Yeah, great. Where's he cool. been? Oh, he's been cool, building yeah. up. Been building up um, his fitness space. I'm, I hope like everyone could has. That, could have told us that a month ago when we asked. Yeah. Well, that's his job, um, though. What's yeah. he been doing at training? Otherwise, well, you just mentioned pregame, Mig. Sorry, I'll just quickly get another one in now that we're doing the unhinged rant about the media department yeah. and keeping us in the loop. The little countdown, sixty seconds or whatever it is before the game starts. They do a little countdown, you know. And, 30 shows yeah. up and then they have a clip and then 29 shows up and then they have another clip. One of them was just Mark Hutchings tackling a guy. It wasn't <laughs> like he wasn't in the back of someone else's clip. It was Mark Hutchings tackling somebody and I didn't miss see it because it had his jumper number in it. It was bizarre. Is... Anyway, sorry. No, that was you. Patrick Nash. There's no yeah. way. Well, God, please, more just about every jumper number. That, true enough, <laughs> true enough. That, I, I really loved that clip when it came out um, and they've probably taken my feedback on board and decided not to change it at all for the new season. Um, Good stuff. The, the bloody animated bird, I don't know how much they spent on that animated bird that they showed at, was it quarter time? Who cares? Yeah, I mean, apparently the kids loved it, but geez, it, it, look, it looked really basic and it was apparently a massive deal and first time it's been done in the Southern Hemisphere or something. And It's a big thing a in the NFL, but again... All right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway. The team song. We, we can't have a rant about the club without the bloody team song. Not having banners. Uh, the inflatable eagle I actually like, but the team I song. I like the inflatable eagle. Don't talk about the inflatable eagle. Yeah. I think we're going to club that doesn't run out to our own team song because it's so non-uplifting, de-lifting, deflating. They've had three seasons to figure out how to transition from one to the other and they still have it. They just go stop and then they go over here yeah. and then they press start. Bizarre. Anyway, is that right? Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, we've stopped talking about the Sydney game, but that's probably for the best. And I think the Sydney game is irrelevant because, in in a sense, because this isn't a season that we're looking at the results. Now, a result like that makes you stand up and take notice, but a loss is a loss, and a win is a win. Depending, you know, it's fine. The manner of the loss and the way the club has sort of handled everything for Shuey to come out, and I got a lot of respect for Luke Shuey. I like Luke Shuey. I don't want to wrap him up anytime soon or anything like that, but. For him to come out half hour after the game on radio and say, yeah, there's a couple of tired boys out there at the 20-minute mark. We were looking around and, you know, <laughs> caught up with us, but we'll be better for the run. I'm like, you've got a waffle team. Be better for the run then. And by the way, yeah. we were five goals down at the 20-minute mark. So what, what was that? Anyway, there we go. Um, Migs, let's try and inject some sort of something in. We'll start with the buy. Let's do buy, sell, hold. We'll start with somebody oh. whose stock you want to buy and then we'll swing back around to sinking the boots in, I'm sure. No worries. So, uh, yeah, Migs, you want to lead you, us off on this one? I thought you meant we had a buy this weekend. I think that might be Oh, cool. thank Christ. Um, my buy, uh, and I'm not going to pick anyone from the senior team because they're all terrible. Um, no, good stuff. Some good. Um, uh, Jack Williams from the Waffle. Um, right. Just looks like a real prospect. Um, just really good forward craft for a key forward. Needs to fill out a bit, obviously. Um, didn't have any impact the one AFL game he played, which you know, oh. he wouldn't have played if it was a normal season. But uh, he's looked real. I've been along to the past, the the, um, the scratch match against Subi and um, the season opener against Perth, and he's looked really good um, in patches in both games. Um, needs a bit of, you know, needs a bit more development and needs to fill out a bit more. But 
um, yeah, I really think we've got a prospect there. So, um, yeah, Oscar Allen and Jack Williams, I think, if Allen can get on the park, would be our, um, <laughs> our, our key forward pair going forward. It's nice to have a John prospect like that lined up. Uh, likes the Jay yeah. Williams buy, agree, says John. Uh, Sharon says that Tom Barras spoke on radio after the game and he was brilliant. I actually heard that one on the way back uh, and there was a little bit of back and forth on the board about it. But I think Tom Barras, he played well, which was great. He got knocked around and they refused to take him off the ground, the poor bastard. But I think he speaks really well and it's not an old school crash heads together sort of leadership, but I think he's a really thoughtful guy and I think he's the sort of guy that I can see being very well liked in the playing group. I think there's more chance than I'd ever considered that Tom Barras would be our captain. I think, yeah, the the rate at which I think that is likely to happen is increasing lately. Uh, Keys, has anybody in this club, whether they played, whether they didn't play, whether they're playing staff or whether they're not playing staff, has anybody impressed you enough that you would want to buy shares in them this week? Oh, I'm buying shares in Tom Barras for there all the go. things he just said. I I think um, through through this, he's, he's one guy that um, weren't very many, but I think he's one guy who at least hold his head high after the debacle from Friday. I mean, you know, he was trying to stop a flood with a bucket, but, mm. um, you know, he's he's really... He was always a pretty mature, deep-thinking type guy, but I think with fatherhood and things like that, I think he's he's really matured a lot. And, yeah, I, I wouldn't... Three months ago, I wouldn't have thought of him as a potential captain. Now, I reckon he's the best suited to mm. be captain on our list. Uh, a buy for myself. I had an answer for this earlier in the piece, and I forgot who it was, so let me just quickly go through this. Oh, it was Duggan. That's right. Liam Duggan's third quarter I really liked. He had a good game when I felt he got rushed back earlier in the season already. So he's starting to string a little bit of good footy together. He was another one that I think over the years people have potentially thought as a future captain. I am moving him down that pecking order now a little bit, not really based on any fault of his own, but he's not really ever elevated into that true A-grade player. What happens from a leadership perspective inside the walls, we can never speak to, but he's reliable. He's good at doing his job. Threw him into the middle a few weeks ago, so you like that. And then, you know, whatever, the game was done at this point, but he was our best player in the third quarter. And you've got to think that at halftime, whatever sort of rev up or getting the arm around somebody to try and jam up, whatever the motivation tactic was, he was at least somebody that was running hard and continually putting in in that third term. So I like that from Duggan. It's a very low stakes buy, but he's my buy there. Uh, Hold. Let me scroll down here. I had it here as well. This is very ill-prepared. That's right, Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly's my hold. We've had some people slamming him, and fair enough. He's a he's a bit of a victim of the selection policy in a way, but you know, once you get picked, you've got to be right to play. I thought he was the best of the returning midfielders. That's a very, very low bar to clear, but I think he's getting grouped in a little bit. His game was fine and forgettable, which isn't enough for the price we paid for him. But as he builds up, hopefully, fucking hell, I'm sad I'm saying this, but hopefully he is better for the run. So I'm holding stock in Tim Kelly. Miggs, who's your hold? Yeah, Kelly, we had, he's not my hold, but we had, we saw some flashes from him again. Um, mm. His delivery inside 50, um, which there was only a few deliveries inside 50 for the whole game. But Oh, that um, left-footed one going away from uh, his body on the left to Kennedy. That yeah, was ideal. Yep. Yeah. Um, my my hold was Bailey Williams, and yep. uh, I've come around a bit in the past few days um, because uh, I, I think he needs a bit of a run at it. He was probably beaten by Laddams, who's not the best ruckman going around, but he's a bit more mature. Uh, he'll have an opportunity this week against probably Sam Hayes, who played his first game. So it might be a chance for him to come up against someone who's less experienced than him and, and maybe dominate a little bit. Um, he did. He just seemed to be reading the ball wrong. He was you know, running under it, or you know, leaping mm. too early, or too late, mm. or um, yeah, he just needs a bit of um, bit of continuity and a bit of touch, and um, yeah, dare I say it, a bit of synergy. <laughs> there you go, uh, Keys. Who are we not quite ready to commit to, or not quite ready to jump off just yet? Well, I just got a uh, hold on Simo. I bag okay. him. You're right. Uh, I still, I still believe fundamentally he's a good coach. Um, I think he 
he tries his best to protect the players, at least publicly. What he does behind closed doors, not too sure. Um, but I think, you know, we saw during the Collingwood game, his reactions in the, you know, he still cares. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's got the next next one or two weeks, um, he's got to try and get the mindset right with the players um, and get those guys on the same page and hopefully some of this COVID shit is behind us and we can, we can start get some of the continuity he's been craving um, and we get some results that reflect that. So I'm not quite ready to throw him out, but fuck, he's, yeah, he's tempting fate. He's on thin ice. Uh, on to the cell. Having just said that I don't want to wish to wrap him up too soon or anything like that, he's still going to play. And we've been clamouring for it for years. He needs to be a half forward. He's not a full-time mid anymore. But my cell is Luke Shuey. Uh, we all collectively hold our breath whenever there's a tackle, whenever he's slow to get up. I love him. He's fantastic. He's been a legend for however many years. Norm Smith, club captain, all that great stuff. Like Luke Shuey, just a superstar. A legend of the Eagles. The midfield thing worries me now, as Luke Shuey is one of our go-to mids. It's not that he still can't do it in bursts, and I've just said that Kelly might be better for the run, so so too could Luke Shuey, but we need to now do a little bit of a part-time, half-forward, part-time midfield. He always had decent forward craft. Even in his early career, he was a decent half-forward option. So I just think they need to find a way, just not only for now, but also for the future, extend his career and also get some game time into the younger guys. If you pick Xavier O'Neill, who we've talked about a lot, as your starting half-forward flank, and he splits minutes, midfield minutes with Shuey. That's at least a good way to figure out what we've got in O'Neill. And it might protect Shuey's body a little bit more. And then in a close game, when the game's on the line, you want to throw Shuey in there, good, go for it. That's fine. At a certain point, you've got to turn it over to the next group, but that's fine. He's in the team. He's playing all this sort of stuff. I just think having Luke Shuey as one of our absolute best champion go-to midfielders is winding up pretty soon. Uh, whether his body holds up or not. So that's that's my sell, unfortunately. Uh, Migs, who are you ready to jump ship? Um, yeah, I struggled with this one because, A, there was you could just about throw anyone in as a sell after that game, and, B, I don't really want to throw anyone under the bus. But mm. um, I had Jermaine Jones just because, uh, mostly because he was in my outs this week. Um, he's just dropped off. Uh, he had an absolute ripper of a game round one against Gold Coast, and he's then he went off yep. with COVID. We haven't really seen anything like that since um, barely sighted a lot of the time. He is getting a few sort of rotations in the middle, um, but he's not getting the ball, and yeah, now he hasn't got McNatt feeding him. Um, it's going to get harder and harder, and yeah, I had him I can't remember who I had coming in. It might have been O'Neill, but I had him going out this week, so he might be one. There's probably a few guys there, but he might be one that needs to go back to the waffle and, and find some form a bit. Uh, Keys, finish us off. Who is your sell for the week? I think Wall Street has uh, like a trigger thing. There's the Dow Jones falls a certain percentage. They stop trading. Right. Because the stock market will just sell everything and just dump everything. Yeah. Well, Wall Street just triggered my... So I I'm, can't okay. sell everything because if I was allowed to, I'd just throw everything out. Right. So... Yeah, I'm. Yeah, really, really dirty on a lot of things. So I, um, I got to stop myself from selling because otherwise you'd probably get rid of too much and you end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But yeah, there's a lot of sh- I've said a lot of crap tonight. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we could sell. So I'm uh, I'm invoking the Wall Street clause tonight. Anything that's not nailed down, let's get rid of it. Let's uh, get stuck into some heroes, for the love of God, if we've got heroes. Villains, I feel like we've done plenty of. We've done plenty of club villains, so when we get around to that, maybe if we've got any media villains or things like that, we'll focus on those. We'll do some heroes and villains, and then we will have a look at the Port Adelaide game. Uh, get through that one. So, heroes, I'm opening this up to anybody. Please, for the love of God, somebody say something positive about the football. 
not about the football, but um, Patrick Bynes for having the, the yeah. courage to share his story publicly. Yeah. Uh, and it was another guy that sort of disappeared and didn't apparently suffered a career-ending injury in the waffle in 2019, um, didn't get a mention, was quietly delisted at the end of the year, and we haven't heard anything from him since. But uh, yeah. until this week, where we got a, a really, really vivid um, and a really um, yeah, sombre uh, mm. eye-opening insight into what he's been through in that time. And look, reading between the lines in that story, it sounds like he's um, he's on the improve uh, and he's, he's come out of... You know, the absolute depths that he's been in but yeah just for him to have the courage to share that and to put his own story out there to um to identify an issue that uh is probably going to become more prevalent if it's you know if it's um applying to every basically every afl listed player for the last decade up until last year or the year before that was under that um what's been called the zombie insurance policy um, you know, with concussion and everything, that's going to become more of an issue. So, yeah, for him to, to put that out there, I thought was just really brave. Very fair. Very fair comment. Uh, very legitimate yeah. hero. Probably actual real heroism yeah. for the world. Uh, sort of undoes what my Hero of the Week nomination Sorry. was going to be, which was... <laughs> You're going to put a joke one up now. <laughs> well, yeah, whoever, whoever brought that Sampy was held sign. I oh, yes. Yeah. Now... Is it genuine life-changing courage and a story of, you know, overcoming or at least attempting to overcome a seriously stacked deck? No, it's not. It's a dumb, pithy sign that made me laugh on a Friday night. So thanks, Mix. Uh, on a, Exxon very, getting a, a very dark and despairing um, yeah. Friday night. Appreciate that. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Exxon this going is why we should do a run sheet. Not sulking. No, nah, no run sheet. It's more fun when it's off the cuff and crazy. Uh, we've got a skeleton yeah. down here as one of the guests. So... I defy you to find a better football show than this. Keys, did anybody spark any joy in you this week at all? Uh, heroes. The fans that stayed to the end on Friday night. You're welcome. That had to be tough. Dump it. I haven't, yeah, I, it haven't was, left, uh... I haven't left. I've, I've turned the TV off, but I haven't left the game. Mm. Um. I reckon I would have been tested on Friday night. So the guys that sat there on Friday night and sat through the whole thing, yeah, they can be my hero. But Patrick Bynes definitely oh, gets yeah. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, now, villainy. We've done the club to death. I think there'll be a fair few more opportunities in the future as well to... Have a bit of a pop at the club as well. So maybe we'll park the Eagles ones. Is there any broader AFL community villainy that has been going on this week? I'm pointing Mark Robinson. Because why not? But <laughs> last not. week he said the, week, the Matthew, Eagles win it? against Collingwood was the best win he's ever seen or some such shit. And, and I'll tell you, our team... You knew something was up in the football universe when Mark Robinson's given us compliments and stuff like that. So he, he completely mm. fucked us for Friday night. So I'm blaming him. It was his fault. Yeah. Uh, so, that new Fox yeah, footy show. The footy universe. By the way. And even, I mean, even the Patrick Bynes article that came out, mm. surely there was, you know, there was an opportunity for the. Dickheads over east to pot us, and they they didn't even do it. That it's like we're, you know, we're pitiesville. So I like it better when the media are giving a shit because at least we've got something to get our backs up. So yeah. I'm putting them in the shit because they're not giving us shit. Good. Yeah. They're making the hard for the one villain that isn't related worse to the when club. They don't. Nah, the uh, that I don't even forget what it's called. Whatever that Brad footy Scott show is, is by the way, the new one's terrible. Yeah, Brad Scott's a flog. Arms there's out, a, that's 15, There's mate. a brilliant thing on Twitter, a little video mm. of Brad Scott going apeshit in the coach's box, dubbed over his thing about protecting umpires and not showing dissent. Yeah. <laughs> Find yeah. it. Have a good laugh. I'll chuck that one in the podcast thread as well, I'm sure. Uh, Migs, any villains stood out for you this week? Oh, I was going to say Brad Scott as well. Um, Good, yeah. Just, I, I understand the um, the need to protect uh, umpires, and uh, we do actually need them, and we need them coming through. And 
Um, you know, you're not going to get people to take up umpiring if they're just going to get abused all the time, but um, they've just gone too far, um, to coin a phrase, and gone too far the other way. Um, yeah, it's it's going to decide a game. You know, imagine the 2018 grand final. Maynard reacts because he hasn't been paid a free kick that he, he still thinks he should have gotten. Um, and there's 50, and then you know, Dom Sheed, instead of slotting that kick from the boundary, he's kicking from the square to give us the lead. Um, it's 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 going to it's going to decide the game. Um, That's kind of should have decided. Should the... do that set retrospectively, and we will start with a goal square based on Maynard's reaction. That'll be good. Nah, <laughs> yeah, it's the inconsistency. It's all been said to death about it. it, yeah. it the Media chairing this week was all about the inconsistency of it, and it is. It should have decided that Port Adelaide game, by the way, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but that Port Carlton game, they battled back from all the way, and they had it within a kick, and some Carlton guys giving it the big ones to the umpire. It was borderline a 50-metre in sort of the old rules. So, you know, it probably would have been soft if they had given it a few years ago. But under the new rules, it's absolutely fair game. But, yeah, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, it's all right, though. Eddie Maguire's come up with a plan to fix it, which involves having eight umpires, uh, no boundary umpires, no goal umpires, and they all work in little sections, these little circles around the ground. So Eddie's solved it. Good stuff. Uh, I'm happy to give it to Brad Scott, gentlemen. I reckon we uh, call yeah, Brad Scott our villain of the week. All right. Port Adelaide versus the West Coast Eagles. <laughs> the Eagles are one and five. What are we? One and four. Port Adelaide are on five. Oh, well, there you go. We've got their second rounder, Migs. We've got our own first rounder. We're death riding port. One way or the other, our pick is improving this week, and the other one will slide back a little bit. Do you give us any hope against a team that is bottom of the ladder, they're winless, and yet it is sort of feels like, well, for a start, they might be waking up, but also, how the fuck have they fallen this far? Yeah, they're winless. Um, they haven't beaten us uh, yeah, at Adelaide Oval yet. Five times over there, we've gone and beaten them. Um, twice after the siren to absolutely break their hearts. So I think the narrative and all of that, and they'll be desperate for a win, and based on what we saw from the 22 blokes running around on Friday night, we have no desperation left in us at all. So um, I feel very much the opposite of last week, that we all sat here and said, oh, yeah, we're a chance of beating Sydney. You know, they're gettable. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't see a way that um, we win this short of uh, 22 um, simultaneous heart attacks. <laughs> Jesus Christ, there you go. Uh, you go Sorry, through their was, records. That was supposed case. to be a Simpsons quote, not as dark as... I got you. It's the, we're talking... Yeah. Keys, you go through their win-loss record here. Uh, the Lions beat them by 11. Hawks by 64. Crows by 4. Demons by 32. Blues by 3. So there's three pretty close games in there. A couple against some decent sides. But uh, the, the big loss, that loss to the Crows after the siren... And this huge loss to the Blues Keys, it was a three-point loss in the end, but it was 50-odd points at halftime. They battled all the way back, had a chance to win it, and just fell short. Have they spent all their petrol tickets, or is this a sign that, okay, the Port Adelaide Football Club have figured themselves out, they're getting a bit healthy, and they're just going to be sitting and waiting for an Eagles team that is at its lowest ebb? Yeah, I mean, if we can somehow keep it close, we're a chance because no one chokes like Port does. Um, Especially against us, but mm. yeah, I mean this this is how fucked up the funeral football universe is at the moment. Carlton and Fremantle are playing what could justifiably call match of the round, and us and Port are playing a cripple fight. Mm. Yeah, we've got one, two sides got one win between them, and Carlton and Fremantle have got two losses between them, so. Yeah, I don't know how that fucking works, but um, look, if Port had somehow got over Carlton in the end, would have been a little bit more confident. But them at zero and five, we're not going to get them, you know, at an easy time. Mm. They'll be, they'll be probably pretty keen to show Jared Schofield he shouldn't have left. Yeah, they do a great job with Michael Voss on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, this guy is a shot there. It's like, Jesus, it's like I've got a Russian jet fighter over Ukraine. Um, uh, yeah, look, I just, 
Oh yes, don't see it. Uh, I mean, I, I think we'll put up a better showing than we did against Sydney, but I, hmm. I just, I, we're just not playing. I mean, as much as you know, the Collingwood win was great, but I mean, you know, in hindsight and everything like that, I mean, we were kind of lucky to win that. I mean, Collingwood was accurate. We were exceedingly accurate. The inside fifty yeah. count. Most times you're losing that game. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just not getting enough of the ball forward to kick a winning score under normal circumstances. So, as shit as Port's been, we've been shitter. And I just hope that North lose as well so we we maybe don't fall to 18th. I mean, I know some people will be happy with 18th because we'll get number one pick. But... Um, all that will happen is if we end up 18th, North will get a priority pick, and for the second time we win a spoon, we won't get pick one in the draft. Uh, having a look at the things Ports do well, the things they do poorly as well, they are 17th in the competition in hitouts, and yet, Miguel, first in tackles, second in clearances. They go inside 50 at a decent rate as well, uh, and they don't concede all that many inside 50s either. So, it, you know, you're looking at a guy like Bailey Williams, who we mentioned earlier, might have a better chance in the ruck this week than he's had in the past. But it seems like Port Adelaide are completely fine with that. You're getting the clearances anyway. Do you change the midfield composition? Do you back in the guys and say they're better for the run? They've had a longer break. You know, Port played on the Sunday as well. So they've had a long break. They had a week extra football under their belt for whatever the fuck that's apparently worth. Do you, do you back them in or... Is that even worse, coming off an unacceptable game like that and backing the boys in? I think we're pretty much um, stuck with backing them in now. Um, the four guys probably that came in underdone, uh, I think we have to, probably with the caveat that um, you hinted at um, earlier, which is uh, maybe bring an O'Neill in or someone and you know, give Shuey a chop out and put him on a... Um, put him on a half-forward flank for some of the rotations, particularly if he's on limited minutes. Yeah, yep. just get some extra help in there. Um, so, you know, if Yo's not quite right, then rotate him with Duggan. Um, you know, Duggan looked pretty good in there. Um, he's well, they did. Yo was lining yeah. up in the back pocket, and it's like, well, thanks for bringing him back, guys. We've got back pocket yeah. Elliot Yo. So, yeah, do that again. But I, I think we're stuck with them. Um, and you know, as much as we laugh about um, Simo, Going on about synergy and using it in every third um, third word, mm. I think we need that. We can't we can't make mass changes again for the, the fifth time this season. Um, it's not helping anything at all. So, uh, yeah, give some of the players an opportunity to um, to rebound from that and to almost some of them play for their contracts. I think uh, I had in my changes that because um, people have been calling for Darling's head, um, I think this might be an opportunity to rest Kennedy. Uh, given that we've come off back-to-back six-day breaks. Uh, he, he's 47 years old. Uh, he has been playing pretty well. Um, he's kicking goals from limited opportunities, but could be a chance for him to be uh, rested, give Darling the you know, the number one spot, uh, and put it on him to um, you know, take up that mantle and, and turn around his form. And if he doesn't, then you know, Kennedy comes in for him the following week. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be making too many changes. The thing about, uh, we talked earlier about the um, you know, when we've been down in the past, like in 2010, you could at least see some of the youth coming through. Mm. We didn't have any of it, really. We didn't have a single player that was uh, eligible for the Rising Star. We didn't have a single player under 21, I think. Um, mm. we, had, we had some you know, had some young guys like, Bailey Williams, um, Foley's probably, yeah, yeah, he's he's not that young anymore. Um, but you know, we left out Hoff, we left out Connor West, not that young. He's injured. Um, no, Xavier O'Neill's not that young either. Um, we we aren't seeing the young guys come through, and uh, I'm not sure. I, I talked about Jack Williams earlier. He's not ready. Mm. Uh, I don't know. No, it'd be nice to see some youth coming through in the next few weeks. But um, apart from bringing Hoff back. I um I don't know where we're going to see it. Um, we did this a few weeks ago where I went on to Footy Wire and I'm trying to see with the things, the high rankings and the low rankings for the Eagles. Well, we finally got some high rankings, uh, having gone yeah. a few weeks without anything of note. We are first Points in the against. league in 
No, not quite. Actually, where are we with points against? Uh, we're 17th in points per game. Opposition points per game, we're 15th. Not even that bad. Uh, no, no, so high, high rankings. Here we go. First in rebound 50s. That just means we give up a shitload of inside 50s. And yeah. we are first... That does mean in- that does mean our defence has been holding up pretty well, I think, under the volume of... of what oh, well, they have, but yeah. the volume is unsustainable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The least opponent rebound 50s per game. That is to say, opposition teams bring it out of our 50, the fewest of every opposition defence in football, which sounds good until you realise it's only because we go in the least of everybody. Yeah. And when we go in, we kick a goal, you know, because yeah. we're freakishly we're accurate, yeah. freakishly efficient. But yeah, 18th in inside 50s, 18th in handballs, in disposals, 17th in points per game, 16th in hitouts, 13th in tackles. Not actually that bad. Really upsetting to find out that there's clubs that are below us in tackles. Uh all these other ones, Jesus Christ. I won't even get into the differential ones because they are grim. In general, this is not a lineup that looks favourable. You know, even you're looking at a team that's 18th and 0-5 and whatever it might be, and yet, Keys, I'm pretty worried about the result on the weekend. Adelaide, uh, Port Adelaide have a lot to play for. Thank Christ we have their second-round pick because if they win, I can at least pretend that it's good for us in that sense. Uh, you know, we'll, No, that's we'll, bad we'll, for us. Yeah, but then our first rounder goes up, you see? So it's all it's all gravy. We're all good, no matter what. <laughs> but, Keith, tell me what's going to happen on the weekend. Give me your pick. Give me some degree of insight. Give me something to look forward to because right now it's all pretty grim for the West Coast Eagles. Uh, there's nothing to look forward to. Sorry. Oh, Jesus. Um, God might be back. Maybe. But- on a day I've of guys coming back from COVID, been underdone, so we're probably better off. He only comes out of protocols on Friday, which is yep. the day before they're due to fly. Um, Pet will come back, and we'll get one of the one of the, someone like Jermaine Jones will come out because it won't be one of the names. So um, Pet will come in for everyone to yell at. I mean. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Look, they'll come out. They'll have a better attitude because they can't have a worse one. Um. They'll have a dip. We won't win, but at least we can chalk up a maybe another half honourable loss. So, Port Port by twenty two, and Patrick Dash to be our best player again. There you go. Cool. Nicely done. Uh, Migs, we, we, we also we playing got... Friday or Saturday? We're playing Saturday. Playing Saturday. We don't play Port on Fridays. It doesn't go well. Uh, we all oh, talked ourselves into a win last week somehow, and this has been a pretty flat show, albeit energetic. You know, there's been a lot to have a bit of a rant about. Is there any modicum of hope that we can G ourselves up and do the tipping rounds and somebody can convince me that we're going to win? No. Okay. Um, the positive, positive I was going to suggest is uh, my hold, Bailey Williams, he might have a good game. Um, we nice. saw last time we were away, I predicted Xavier O'Neill have a career-best game, so I'll, I'll yep. pick Bailey Williams to have a career-best game. Uh, dominate uh, Sam Hayes in the ruck and um, hit the scoreboard again. 30 hit-outs, that'll do. Uh, we'll, that'll we'll do. Still lose. That would do. What, oh. what did Keys say? Um Oh, so 28 points. There you uh, 28 go. 28 points. And Bailey Williams to be our best. And the Eagles to sit 18th for the first time in club history. Uh, I uh, will predict... No, North will get pantsed by whoever they're getting, whoever's going to pants them. Let me so quickly look that up because because I do need something to fall back on if... Uh, who the fuck did North? Geelong in Hobart. Yeah, Geelong, Geelong will kill them. Jesus, there you go. We might we might avoid 18th yet. Uh, we are going to lose, unfortunately, though our away games have been better than our home games. Definitely something to talk about next week because that's a worry. That used to be what the club was built on, but uh, apparently not anymore. So, yeah, home away from home. Maybe we sneak a result. Maybe we put a little bit of pressure on them. Porter's starting to get a bit healthier and, you know, another week into Aaliyah. The running at the end of the game last week was really, really good. And I still am not quite sold on Carlton, no matter what Fox Footy tell me. That said, it was a, essentially a 10-goal head start, and they chased it down. So Porter in decent touch. They were playing for their lives last week. I suspect they'll be doing the same thing this week. If we win, Ken Hinckley 
should be sacked. Gone. And I yeah. think he might be sacked. So that's something to play for. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Port will win by some amount. I don't care. 40? Kingston Skeleton is shaking his head there. Who's going to... Here's a fun fact. Go for it. I said last week we'd win by 58. Right. Oh. That's what we scored. <laughs> that is a fun so fact. If if we if we can if we can hold Port scoreless, we might win by fifty eight. There you go. Get your boy Greg in. Uh, who's going to impress us? Who's going to play well? Go on. He was my hold. I'll, I'll stick with Tim Kelly. I'll say Tim Kelly will put some good footy on and at least have people excited. Okay, the youth isn't there, but maybe that twenty three to twenty six year old bracket isn't as absolutely gutted as we thought as we think it is. But anyway, there you go. Fun weekend, guys. Fun uh, fun pod. All right, thank you very much for listening, for watching, for jumping in the comments. Keys, we're starting to see for the first time today. Good stuff, Keys. There he is. Birthday boy. <laughs> yeah. Nicely done. Maybe we can get rid of the witches' hats this week. Maybe. Maybe with the skeletons will be gone next week, and uh, so too will Ken Hinckley. Good stuff. Uh, Mix Keys, I reckon we'll leave it there. Guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for commenting. Social media, at WCBFPod, all that good stuff. Share the show. You know the drill by now. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. And until then, let's hope for anything better, slightly better, please, in round six. Bye for now, guys. Bye. Bye.